Last week we started a series on the church. We went to Acts chapter 2, which is an absolutely thrilling chapter of the Bible. It is the launch party of the church. There is this incredible multinational, multi-ethnicity gathering on the day of Shavuot or Pentecost. Jewish pilgrims were gathered in Jerusalem as they did every year. And there, Peter stood before them and preached a shocking and powerful sermon, one that had never been heard before. The good news presented in its fullness about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and this invitation of God for all people, every single one, to receive redemption in the name of Jesus and to be added into this body, his church. And so we see thousands respond, thousands baptized on that day, and they begin to gather as a local church there in Jerusalem. Those are our people, and that is our story. And a big part of their communal life, we talked about this last week, we saw it as Luke recorded in verses 42 to 47, a big part of their communal life was worship. They would get together and they would pray. They would get together and they would sing. They would get together and they would worship the Lord. Now, we know that we worship everywhere as disciples. We don't, it's not just when we show up in this spot. Life is worship for the disciple of Jesus. Amen? But there are these times of corporate worship, of the gathering of the church, and those have been special since the beginning. Um, we saw last week in Acts 2 verse 46 that this large gathering of new believers, they would go to the temple courts almost on a daily basis. And what do you do at the temple courts? They didn't go there because, you know, that was the best coffee in Jerusalem. They didn't go there because there was a 10 a.m. goat yoga class. They went there at the temple because that's where you worshiped. And so they would sing and worship and pray together and we still gather. It hasn't stopped, church. Uh, now, this isn't the only time that we worship, but this is the special time that we worship together as Christ's church here at Preston Crest. And you're going to, if you come for very long, and, and some of you have, and some of you are new, but you're going to notice, you know, we're always sharing the Lord's Supper together. We're always singing songs of praise together. We're always going to pray together. We're always going to hear something from God's word together. And we're going to hear the preaching of God's word when we gather together on the first day of the week. And those things are not unique to Preston Crest. In fact, you can find a wide variety of Christian churches. Most every church that has the name Christ in it, uh, within 100 miles of here, you're going to see many of the elements. They might look a little different, but the things that we've done today, you're going to see there. Now, they may not take the Lord's Supper every Sunday, but, but they're going to take it. And these elements, you see part of the life of churches all around the world, and it started there in the book of Acts. Um, now, some of us are pretty new to church. Uh, maybe your, your story started a few weeks ago, a few months ago, a couple of years ago, or maybe your story started decades ago. But I remember vividly my experiences as a child going to church. They started probably when I was days old, and my parents always took us 
to the gathering of the saints. I remember the bright teal carpet up and down the, the, the corridors. Um, I remember the bright teal and a linoleum under, under the pews. And I remember the teal, the matching teal uh, cushions on the pews, some of them quite well worn. I remember our spot. It was over here. We're still here, Isla. About two-thirds of the way up on this side of the auditorium. And I could tell you pretty much where everybody else sat. We had our places at the church. And some people uh, would leave one of their Bibles there in their spot. Some people knew it was a little drafty in the auditorium, so they would leave a little blanket that they had in their spot. They were ready. And those were good memories. And I remember the breaking of bread. Sometimes in communion, sometimes in potluck dinners. I remember uh, long tables covered with, with casserole dishes. I remember the smell in the fellowship hall as we would gather to eat together. I remember the lime green jello with some kind of fruit salad in it that sat there on that table that no one ever seemed to touch. <laughs> but that elderly woman, bless her, she persisted. And she would bring that jello back every time we had a potluck dinner theory was going around that it was actually the same jello every time. I don't know. Don't know about that. But it was good to be together. And it was not a perfect church, far from it. And this is not a perfect church and there is no this side of heaven perfect church because it's full of us. <laughs> it's full of people. It was a diverse church. Not diverse in terms of race or ethnicity because our town wasn't very diverse. But it was a diverse church. There were white-collar folks. The president of the bank was there. My dad was a doctor. There were lawyers there. And there were people that clocked in at Lazy Boy. Had factory jobs. Folks that made grills at the Sunbeam plant. There were lots of farmers and plumbers and people that got dirt under their fingernails, people who lived in big fancy houses, people who lived in, a, in the trailer park. And we came together as a family. We came together as one church, brothers and sisters. We were held together by the name of Jesus we were held together by the one that we gathered to worship. He unites us. He is our Lord. God is our Father. We are this community that has been redeemed by his blood. So we are together. And this is interesting. When you think about Jesus, who is our Lord, we are disciples of Jesus. We follow him. Corporate worship was a weekly priority for Jesus. I would say it was an anchor in his schedule. But I would just be stealing from Luke, who tells us that. In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, he, Jesus, came to his hometown, came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, as was his custom. He went to the synagogue on Sabbath. Just what he did. Every Sabbath. 
That's where God's people were going to be. That was for him church. A place to join his voice with others in adoration of the Father. He traveled down south to Jerusalem. And we're told in Luke 19, 47, that every day he went to the temple. Went to the temple to teach and preach, sure. But went to the temple, that place where God's people gathered to worship. On the night of his arrest, he was with his people. On the night of his arrest, he broke bread with them, celebrated the Passover. We're told that they prayed together. And we're told that they sang a hymn on their way to the Mount of Olives, Matthew 26, 30. So why do God's people worship together? Well, the easy answer, and it's true, and it's really the main answer, is because he's worthy. (laughs) He made us. He holds our present and our future in his hands. He is worthy because he is love, because he is righteousness, because he is truth, because he is beauty. And all of those things that we see traces of in the world, we know the source. The source is the Father. And so we gather to worship. And we gather to worship because in the shadow of his greatness, our stuff seems much smaller it puts things in, its, in their place, doesn't it? The politics, the preferences, the personalities, all of them pale in the presence of God Almighty. And so we gather to worship. We need to worship And Paul comes along in Colossians chapter 3, which is, by the way, one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. Paul comes along along in Colossians chapter 3, and he's going to talk about the community life of the church, of of how we're going to get along together. And right in the middle of this, he talks about worship. He doesn't talk about every different aspect of worship, but he's going to talk about prayer. He's going to talk about us singing together. And let's pick up what he has to say. Colossians chapter 3, 12 to 17 He says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, that's who we are, that's who you are, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. By the way, let me pause here, put it on, I, I like this. It's kind of like Jesus went out and bought us all new, very expensive wardrobes. And Paul's saying, leave that wardrobe in the closet. That's yours. You have been given these things in Jesus. Put on patience, put on meekness, put on compassion. And humility. And bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, you know, put it in the complaint box in the foyer. No, that's not what he says. If someone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. (laughs) Oh, how the world needs this. 
Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Because that's how you also must forgive. Above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in, in one body. And be thankful. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So here we are, all of these centuries later, verse 15, here we are as one body. And I'm not here really today because it's my job. Well, you're the preacher, you have to be here. And you're not here really today because somebody invited you. You may think you are. You are here because as Paul says, you were summoned by God. You were called by God to be here. That is why we are here and we are thankful and we are worshiping and we are his church. And the reason the church can hold together despite so many differences and so much diversity is the God that we worship. And Paul says, out of that, out of that special relationship, that chosenness, there's compassion, there's kindness, <laughs> there's meekness, there's humility, there's love. Those things don't flow naturally from us, but verse 12, they do flow from our new relationship with Jesus. We don't have to create these things. We don't have to manufacture these things. We just need to put them on. We just need to wear what he's already given us. And I love this bit. I love it in verse 13, where Paul says, we need to bear with one another. He likes that phrase, by the way. He uses that several times in his writings. We gotta bear with one another. Like, Paul's like, it's a given Right? It's a sure thing that there are going to be some people in whichever local church that are going to rub you wrong. There are going to be some people that regularly get on your nerves and the counsel of God is to bear with those people. You're part of the body of Christ with them. You're in this together with them. And specifically, he cashes that out. He says, if you've got a complaint, forgive them. Let go of it. Move on in the peace that Christ gives you together. And it's a recognition that while we are God's chosen, we are a work in progress. And while we Sisters and brothers are on the way home. And Paul finishes by saying, God is our Father. We are on the way home together to our Father. It's a reminder we're not there yet. We don't have it all together. We're getting there. 
but we are a work in progress. And so Paul resources all of this calling by talking to God's people about their common worship. He says, when you get together, the church is going to be taught and is going to teach from God's word. Verse 16. Like there's someone that may today need to hear some counsel from you, whether you're an official teacher or not. It's the wisdom of God that you have that someone else needs. And so we're here to receive God's word. I hope you're doing that now. And we're here to exchange and share and encourage and admonish. That just means, hey, come on, you got this. And then we're reminded of of what holds us together by our worship of song, of praise. The church gathers to sing and praise with grateful hearts, he says, verse 16. And just for a little perspective, it's not just us here praising this morning. It's not just our sisters and brothers around the world. It is, in fact, a spiritual reality at this exact moment that we are praising with millions and millions of angels surrounding the throne of God this morning. And, and it just sent chills up my spine, John Scott, as we were singing, Holy, Holy, Holy. We were joining that chorus. And as Jesus reminded us, not only are we singing with the angels in heaven, He's here with us. Matthew 18, 20. Hey guys, where two or more of you are gathered, I'm there with you. And so you may show up at church on a snow day. The auditorium is kind of empty. Parking lot's empty or, or maybe a COVID surge where only, you know, 20% of the church shows up or something like that. But here's the thing. Jesus is there. And the angels are worshiping. And you're joining in a song that has been going on forever and will continue forever. But there is some degree of bearing with each other, even in our worship, isn't there? Like, at church, I have the delight and privilege, and I mean this seriously, I have the delight and privilege of singing songs that I don't particularly like. What's so great about that, you may ask? Why don't you tell John Scott and see if he'll drop that song out of the rotation? And then some of you want to know what songs I'm talking about. I will not tell you. (laughs) But I'll tell you what's so great about the delight and privilege, the honor, really, of singing songs that I don't like. It is that you do. There are some songs that speak your heart language. John Scott gave me that phrase, your heart language. And I'm going to sing that song because I'm your brother. And we are one. And I can, verse 16, sing with thankfulness in my heart. 
even when it's not my favorite song. Because I'm thankful not only for what God has done in my life through Jesus, I am thankful for what he has done in your life. I'm thankful that not only has he drugged me here to church, saved and cleansed and with hope in my heart, I'm thankful that he brought you. And so I get to sing with thankfulness these songs of praise. Anne Lamott, great little book, Traveling Mercies. Anne Lamott tells a story in that book of a little seven-year-old girl who got lost in her small town and couldn't find her way back home. She paced up and down the street with tears rolling down her cheeks, totally lost. A police officer happened to be pulling by in his cruiser and saw this distraught little girl, stopped, got out of the car, and asked her, what's wrong? And she said, I can't find my way home. I'm lost. And he said, okay, get in the car. Get in the car. And so they drove around. And eventually she saw this she saw this building and she said, that's my church. You can stop here and let me out. And he said, I can't let you out here. And she said, yeah, you can, you can let me out here. That's my church. I can always find my way home from here. Brothers and sisters, I've been showing up a lot of years at worship gatherings of the church. And no matter what I've been going through, no matter what curveball life threw at me that week, I knew if I get there, if I get there, I can always find my way home. And so we journey together in the name of Jesus. We journey home toward God the Father.